Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about sensory struggles, because a very common comorbid condition with anxiety and OCD is sensory difficulties. So some kids are diagnosed with sensory processing disorder, SPD, as well as anxiety or OCD, because they are kind of like two peas in a pod, or you just happen to have a very sensitive kid, both emotionally and physically. So it's a good topic for us because even though it's not directly about anxiety or OCD, it's a side note that many of us are struggling with. And so you might need some help with that. And of course, I have experience with that on a personal and professional level because we live it, eat it, and breathe it at my house. And I feel like because I have three kids, I have a sampling of every single problem, <laughs> which is kind of not funny, but if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. So today I want to go over a little bit about how sensory issues manifest in anxious kids. I'm going to talk to you about different coping mechanisms to teach your kids. And we'll go through them so that you have some concrete ideas. At the end, I'm going to tell you about some things that are coming up this week that are pretty exciting that will help you if you have a child with sensory issues. So stay tuned for that at the end. So let's get into the difference first between anxiety and sensory issues and OCD. So I'm not going to delve too deep into this, but I do want to mention it right from the get-go so that we're all talking about the same beast. Because I do feel like when it comes to sensory issues and my world of anxiety and OCD, it gets a little squishy and it morphs um, and it gets very gray. And so sometimes I'll hear people talking about things that are not sensory and they're more like just right OCD. And then a lot of times I'll hear people calling it OCD And in my head, I'm thinking, this isn't OCD. This is pure sensory. And I think a lot of mental health professionals in the world who aren't really schooled on the differentiation, maybe they don't understand sensory stuff. They will quickly kind of label it as OCD, which scares me because I feel like there's so much misdiagnosing going on. And then you're going down the wrong path because you're you know, you're, you're seeing an OCD specialist and you're trying to get your child to get used to some of these weird sensory feelings. And if they have SPD, they really aren't going to ever habituate to their sensitivities. And we'll, we'll talk more about that, but I did make an episode purely on this topic of the difference between just right OCD and sensory issues. And so if you're on the fence and you're like, I don't know, what's going on with my kid. I don't know if it's just right OCD or sensory issues. Go to episode 44 and I spend the entire episode talking about that. So pause, go listen to that and come back. I also spent a lot of time talking about the link between sensory processing disorder and anxiety. I talk about how they feed into each other, how sometimes anxiety can actually just cause sensory issues as a side note, because kids are literally sensitive inside and out. But I also talk about how having SPD is an anxiety producing condition, because if I am overwhelmed and I'm bombarded by my senses, 
I'm going to be very anxious to go into sensory overloaded situations. And so I talk about the differentiation and I talk about ways to help depending on what it is. That's episode 15. So if you listen to me on iTunes, which actually a lot of you don't when I look at the data, but that doesn't matter. You can listen to my podcast on my website. And I think a lot of people are doing that, but on iTunes, you can't go back to my very, very early podcast. They only list a certain amount. And so you're not going to be able to go back to episode 15. I wonder if you can do a search on the link between sensory processing disorder, if my episode will pop up, I don't know. If I was really a planner, I would have tried that and then I could tell you, but I didn't and I'm not going to stop. So you can go to my website at anxioustoddlers.com backslash podcasts and all my podcasts are there. Or an even easier way is to go to anxioustoddlers.com. My website is actually anxioustoddlers2teens.com, but either either website will get you to the right place because they both have the same. I just changed my name because I'm not just about toddlers. But if you go all the way to the bottom of my site and you type in in the search bar sensory, all of my sensory stuff will pop up and you'll find that podcast as well. So anyway, I want to tell you about that because I'm not going to go into those topics today. Today is going to be just more concrete. Okay, Natasha, I know what we're dealing with. It's pure sensory. What do I do about that? Let's get into it. So there's a couple of things parentally that I really want you to understand. For starters, and and maybe, I don't know, maybe some occupational therapists disagree with this, so I'm not sure, but you're most likely not going to get used to something that you're having a sensory issue about, not in the way that we deal with anxiety and OCD, because the whole philosophy with anxiety and OCD is let me immerse you in this experience of uncomfortableness (laughs) and you're eventually going to get used to it because your brain can't keep hitting the alarm button. Every time you see this, it's eventually going to get bored. So if you are afraid of throwing up, which is a very common fear, if I slowly expose you to the idea of throw up and pictures of throw up and videos of throw up, that's actually how you deal with metaphobia which I do have a podcast, go to my website at anxioustollers.com, go to the search button and hit um, and type in a metaphobia or fear of throwing up. And you're going to find all my work on that. But my point is eventually over time, the, the brain is going to get bored of that. Now it might take a long time, but eventually it's like, how much longer are we going to talk about this topic? This topic is boring. My brain is not getting nervous about it. Just like if I was to watch a horror movie over and over again, I don't like horror movies, but if I watched it over and over and over again, that movie is going to lose its fear factor because it's not, it's going to be boring. That's how we deal with anxiety and OCD is we basically habituate the brain and eventually the brain's not having a fear reaction. You can't do that with sensory processing because the child's legitimately sensitive And I like with my kids, because I would have to say like two. So I have one child who has sensory processing disorder. She like legitimately has SPD. And we'll talk about that as I go through these examples. And then my youngest daughter, she doesn't really have sensory issues, but she does have a supersonic nose. So you can have kids who have some sensitivities, whether they're hyposensitive or hypersensitive, they're too sensitive or they're not sensitive enough and they don't have a full-blown disorder. 
That happens a lot. So my littlest, I mean, she can smell anything a mile away. I can eat peanut butter in the morning, brush my teeth, eat a zillion other things like I do, kiss her goodnight at the end of the night. And she'll say, "Ugh, you smell like peanut butter. I'm like, are you kidding me? And she's always accurate. So that's not going to change. I mean, I can expose her to like a zillion things that are going to smell really bad and her nose is still going to smell it. Right now, my oldest has a lot of oral issues and a lot of tactile issues. And when it comes to oral, we, we have done some exposures and getting her to adapt. And I'll talk about that when I talk about feeding, but with clothes, you know, she still wants to not wear jeans. And if she does wear jeans because she's a teenager now, she's going to find really soft ones and she's going to grin and bear it, but she's never going to acclimate to it. So now if it's just right OCD, your child can get used to it because if one side of my head feels tighter than the other, because I'm wearing ponytails or pigtails, I guess that would be, or one shoe is tighter than the other. And it's driving me nuts because it's not balanced. We're not dealing with sensory. We're dealing with just right OCD or symmetry OCD. It can manifest in two different ways and that's a different world. And so, yeah, I would, I would get used to it over time if I was doing exposures, but if it was pure sensory, like my shoes just felt too tight, then I'm not going to necessarily get over that. I have to learn how to work around that. Does that make sense? So they are two different worlds. Now, some sensory kids can slowly adapt, but their main issues are still going to be there. And so you want to really teach them how to kind of work around those things. Whereas with symmetry and just right OCD, we're going to want kids to get used to it. So go back to episode 44 because I go more into that. So that's an important thing for you to know because like I am very sensitive to tactile stuff. So tags, scratchy clothes, jeans, like those things bother me. Now I can wear a pair of jeans all day. And at the end of the day, I want to rip them off because I'm still feeling uncomfortable. If something's itchy to me, it will be itchy all day. My body will never say, oh, okay, I think we're done bothering her now. I think she's going to get used to it. No, it will bother me all day. So I know from firsthand experience that forcing me to wear something that doesn't feel good on my skin isn't going to work out for me because I'm never going to get used to it. So that's one thing parentally, especially for those parents who don't have sensory issues, can't relate to sensory issues to know is that your child isn't necessarily going to get over it. And that's not their fault. Their body is truly screaming at them and and they're feeling that sensitivity. So the second thing I want to talk about before I go into like some concrete tools for each sense, we're going to go through different sensory issues. And I'm going to talk about parentally how to handle those. But I also want you to realize that this is not your battle. And I say that a lot with anxiety and OCD too, but your kids with sensory issues will make it your battle because you're doing their hair, but you're not doing it right. Or you're hurting them, or it's not tight enough or not loose enough. Or for little kids, when you get them dressed and you put stuff out for them, they're going to throw it at you. And I don't want to wear that. These shoes are too tight. Make them tighter. These shoes are too loose. Make them, uh, or other way around. These shoes are too loose. Make them tighter. You know, it's just never enough. It's too loose. It's too tight. It's too scratchy. These seams are bumpy. The sooner you can get out of the battle, the better. And that's with my oldest kid. I mean, we would go head to head because she had 
major sensory issues and the clothes. And we'll talk about that because that's one of my categories that we're going to go into in a little while, but the clothes were a major problem because we would have major meltdowns in the morning. And if you have a child who has sensory issues with clothes, you probably are shaking your head because you're probably dealing with that too. So what I did was I found her go-to clothes. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to tell you this yet because that's under my clothes category. I got to stay focused. So my point here is get out of the battle, give them tools to handle their own sensory struggles and then get out of the battle. Okay. So up next, I'm going to be talking about how to help your kids deal with their sensory issues and what those tools are. Stay tuned. That's what we'll talk about next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. This podcast is brought to you by Easy Kicks. Easy Kicks is a sneaker club for kids, which I'm really excited about because you pay $20 a month and then your child can go on the website and pick out from a great selection of Nikes or Converse. Then they ship it to you for free. Your kid can wear it for as little as long as they want when they get tired of it or it doesn't feel right, or it's not cool anymore, then you just ship it back for free and they can pick out a new pair and on it goes. I think that's genius because I have three kids with three separate problems. My oldest will buy something. I'll spend a fortune on a pair of Nikes. And then a month later, she doesn't think it's cool enough. My second child has a lot of sensory issues. And so he'll like a pair in the store. I will buy it for him. And then three days later, he refuses to wear it because it doesn't feel right. Do you have that at home? My third is growing like a weed. And so she's easy, but her feet are not easy because they grow. And so I'll spend, I think, a pretty nice chunk of money on her cute little shoes, only to find that the next month she can't squeeze into them. So Easy Kicks is a great solution. If you haven't heard of it, go check it out because it's brilliant. EasyKicks.com. Okay. Welcome back. So I, everything I'm about to tell you, I did make a kid's YouTube video for your kids to watch because this week is like sensory week for me. And so my podcast is about, obviously you're listening to it, sensory issues. My kid's YouTube video is for your children to watch about sensory issues. And at the end of this podcast, I'll tell you, I'm going to do something special on Friday just for you guys for um, some additional help with sensory issues. So I'll tell you that at the end. So the first thing you wanna do with your kids, and I literally am gonna go over exactly what I go over in my kids' YouTube video. I'm just gonna talk to you as the parent, and I'm gonna talk to them as the kid. So that's pretty cool because you can listen to this and then you can say, hey, I want my kid to hear this and just play my kids' YouTube video. Oh, by the way, you can find that at youtube.com backslash c backslash anxious toddlers 78. So, and that I have all sorts of kids videos. It's a YouTube channel for kids with anxiety and OCD. And so I have a playlist for kids with anxiety and I have a playlist for kids with OCD. And this video will be in both. And it comes out on Thursday. I say that, but it really kind of comes out on Wednesday. Um, I just say Thursday so that I am always on time. (laughs) So like, anyway, okay. 
So the first thing you want to do is to explain to your kids what sensory issues are, because even if you're like, Natasha, duh, they know what sensory issues are. They live it. You'll be surprised. I have a lot of kids that come to me and they have some major sensory struggles, but they, no one sat down with them and explained to them what it is. Hey, your body is super sensitive and there are certain superpowers that everybody has. Now my kids loved that. When I framed it as a superpower, we were at dinner, we're sitting around the table and I started talking about what sensory issues are and I framed them as superpowers. And so we talked about my oldest daughter and how she could taste even the most subtle ingredient in food. She'll be like, I think there's a little bit of lemon in this and a little bit of coconut. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? There's no lemon or coconut in this. And we'll look up the ingredients and she's right a hundred percent of the time. So she has a supersonic tongue. My youngest has a supersonic nose, like we talked about. So frame it as a positive thing because we want kids to feel good. And it's not a bad thing. It's just bad because they don't know how to control it. So teach them what sensory issues are, get them to understand what their sensory issues are. So like my oldest now knows, Hey, my skin is very sensitive. It likes soft cotton. Um, I don't like jeans. I don't like seams on my socks. When she finds a pair of socks, we'll get into this. (laughs) I keep skipping, but we're about to get into that. So find out what your kid's sensory plate is. What's on their plate? What's the main meal? What's the side dishes? So that they understand what things they are more sensitive to. Then you want to tell them, this is something that I can help you with, but ultimately you know how things feel or sound or taste. And so you have to learn some skills to to cope with these things. I can help you, but I'm not there to be a punching bag or for you to scream at me because I'm not in your head or your body. So I don't know what things are going to be too sensitive or not sensitive enough. So you want to explain that to them. And now I'm going to go into different categories rather quickly because I don't want to spend hours doing this podcast, but I'm going to briefly go into different senses and things that you can do to survive. So I'll just touch on them. So for clothes, which I've been talking about a lot, um, tactile sensitivities, that that's a one of the most common ways that sensory issues manifest. You really want to get out of the line of fire as soon as you can, because it can get nasty. And so with my oldest daughter, by the time she was like four or five, because she had major sensory issues. We figured out what kind of clothes she liked. So she definitely didn't like things that were scratchy or tags, like the obvious stuff, but also there were certain brands that she liked and certain brands that she didn't like. And so she lived in like stretchy pants and she lived in Crocs and she lived in cotton shirts that didn't really touch her body at all. Now, some other kids want tight stuff. They want armor t-shirts, especially boys. They want, they want tight clothes. So that's you figuring out what's on your kid's sensory plate, right? Like we talked about. And then buy in bulk. (laughs) That's how we survived. So once I knew something was good, so like after two weeks, because you can think something's good at the store, you can think something's good the first time they wear it, and then a week later, it's not good anymore. So for some kids, it doesn't change crazy for other kids, it changes all the time. And so you may not be able to do this with your kid, but after about a week, I was able to say, okay, she's worn this three times. These pants are good. We're not having an issue. And so then I would go back to the store 
And when she was little, I would buy really cheap clothes because I knew we would be throwing out a lot of clothes. We'd be donating a lot of clothes. We didn't throw them out, but, and so once I knew we had a pair of pants that were good, I'd get them in every single color. Once I knew the underwear brand that worked for her, I would save the wrapping. (laughs) Maybe some of you do this. This is like survival SPD, right? Save, save the wrapping. So, you know, the exact brand, the exact type so that you can find it again. Same with socks, underwear, shoes. I'd always buy three pairs of the same exact shoe so that when um, she grew out of one pair, I, I bought the second pair that was a little bit bigger. It sounds crazy and maybe excessive, but when you have a kid with major sensory issues with clothes, this is a great survival technique. Also, when she was little, what I did was I got bins, and so I would put pants in one bin and shirts in another bin that all matched. And so all she had to do was go get pants from one bin and her shirt from another bin. And if something didn't match, I'd take it out. And then each week I would just add whatever outfits could mix and match so that I wasn't in the line of fire. So I'd just say, go get something. And I'd come in there and there'd be like a pile of clothes that she tried on, but I wasn't part of that struggle. So that's enough for clothes for now. <laughs> Let's move on. The rest are a little bit easier <laughs> in my opinion, but not food actually. So let's talk about sounds. If you know your child is going to be in a very loud situation, it's good to be proactive. So you want to teach your child to self-regulate their sounds. There are some great earplugs online on Amazon that I found that are very discreet, that are made for little kids' ears, that would be wonderful if they're going to a festival or if it's the 4th of July or even if they're in their class and the noise is too much. Now for some, if they're a teenager, they can wear headphones, you know, if you go to a festival or concert or something and they don't look awkward because it just looks like they're listening to music. Um, And some very, very little kids, they don't care what they look like. So you could use some noise canceling headphones for either of those types of kids, but also you can find headphones, um, not headphones, you can find earplugs that are very discreet really that's the best thing to do is be prepared. So you teach your child when you're starting to feel overwhelmed, you pop them in. Or if if you know this is a place that's really noisy, then you already have them in. What we really want to teach our kids is some life skills on how to protect their senses before they feel overwhelmed. And you can start at a very young age. So you're not micromanaging. You're just saying, is this too loud for you? What do you think you should do? Do you need your earplugs? It's up to you. We really want to empower our kids. Same thing with the clothing. Okay, well, you know, it's up to you what you want to wear. You know, pick something from bin one and bin two and then come down. Uh, Smells is another issue for a lot of kids with sensory issues. So there are some really good products out there that weren't out there when my daughter was really little. There are like oil diffusing necklaces, which I think is pretty cool, even if you have just anxiety. And so you can pick the smell that works for your child, what's calming and is not nasty, and you can put it in a necklace and then they can smell it all day. They also make oil diffusing bracelets, which is super cool. So that's good even if smell is not an issue. But if it is an issue, they already have something that they're smelling. And so it can help diffuse the other smells that they don't want to smell. Now, a cheaper version of that is you can just spray something on their wrist or on their neck. I like the wrist because if they're overwhelmed and nervous about a smell, 
they have their wrist and they can literally just put it up to their nose. Or you can spray it on a piece of fabric and you can put it in their pocket. And then whenever they're feeling overwhelmed by a smell, they can take that out. So those are some ideas with smells. Oral issues. We had major oral defensiveness um, with my oldest, so much so that you know she needed a feeding therapist and it was a very scary time. But a simple technique that we used that was very effective was a vibrating toothbrush. And so she really couldn't eat anything with any kind of mixed texture. And maybe a lot of you are dealing with that right now. But a vibrating toothbrush, um, I bought a zillion of them and I would give her sauces that she did like that she could dip. So when she was in front of the TV, you know, when she was like four, I would hand her a vibrating toothbrush and she would turn it on and then she would like, she would dip. She liked ketchup and she liked ranch. Um, I don't know why she liked ranch. Um, and sometimes if I wanted to be nice, you know, I could give her pudding or um, smooth like chocolate so that she could dip it. And, you know, there's dipping chocolate and stuff. If you really want to encourage your child to use a vibrating toothbrush and you're trying to find some sort of reinforcer, but there are healthier options as well. And so with the mouth, we do want to desensitize. So I was talking about how other things just your kids are not going to like get used to it or habituate, but with the mouth, you really do want to work on desensitizing it because they are going to have to adapt and eat lumpy and bumpy stuff eventually. Now, my 14 year old who was severe with her oral issues, um, she wasn't eating solid foods way until she was like two or three. So it was pretty, pretty big deal. Um, you would not notice at 14 now that she's ever had any feeding issues. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Cause I honestly thought like she would never eat solid foods. And then when she did, I thought she would never eat normally. And she does like, if you really, really watch her, um, like sometimes she'll like cut off crust or she'll, she won't eat things because she can taste something in there, but very normal and typical. So Um, vibrating toothbrush is just a little bit of a tip, but you can also look at getting a feeding therapist that does help. If your child is overwhelmed by the sight of things like chaos, sometimes when kids have sensory issues, just movement can be overwhelming. So I teach older kids to have kind of a grounding technique with them. So if they have a cell phone, they can, Um, have a bunch of pictures on there that are either like memes that are funny or relaxing pictures or pictures of their friends. What you want them to do is just refocus their visual attention on the phone so that they can kind of get grounded and not rev up their anxiety because they're seeing so much stimulation in their eyes. This happens a lot with movement, like if they're in a car or if they're at like a really crowded event, there's a lot of movement that can happen to some kids. If they're little, you can have pictures on your phone or games or things that will help kind of reset them. Now, sometimes deep pressure is a very calming thing for kids who have a lot of sensory issues. So if your whole body is sensitive inside and out, having a deep pressure hug, like a bear hug or burritoing your child, (laughs) I just made that like, a verb. You can burritoing. <laughs> so you just take a blanket, you know, and you wrap them up like a burrito. Those kind of things can be super helpful for kids who want deep pressure. Um, bean bags can be helpful. I have a huge bean bag in my house and my kids like to kind of submerse themselves into that. Weighted blankets can help, but you can go the cheap route and just do 
um, bear hugs or heavy blankets. So deep pressure can definitely help. And that can help with anxiety in general anyway. Even if your kid doesn't have sensory issues, just getting like a really tight hug is super calming. And lastly, if your child's a sensory seeker, then you want to have sensory seeking opportunities around your house. And you can have a sensory seeker who is also um, hypersensitive. So, I mean, you can have a combination on your sensory plate of what's going on. So in my house, my middle child is more of a sensory seeker, especially when his anxiety is revving up. And so we have a small trampoline that he can jump on in the house. I also happen to have a couch that he's okay. I'm okay with him jumping on that couch, but not my other couch. And so define what things are okay in your house. And also, um, trying to think what else we have, like, I have a lot of weird stuff that involves movement in my house. And so like, um, what do you call those things that you jump up on? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't know what those are called. Pogo stick. I'm talking about a pogo stick. (laughs) I need more coffee. So like pogo sticks or anything that kind of creates some movement for your child. Now my anxiety doesn't like a lot of chaos. And so the pogo stick right next to me drives me nuts. Like any kind of noise is on my sensory plate. And we, we all have a sensory plate. It's just how much do we have on our plate, right? So um, I might prompt him to take his pogo stick outside. Although we live in Arizona, it's like 108 out today. So his trampoline is purposely upstairs far away from me because movement bothers me. So you... You want to know what to do with your kid, but also you don't want to trigger your own sensory issues because we do all have them. Okay, so that briefly covers all of the senses. I just wanted to give you some concrete tips that you could take away right away. So I did want to tell you that I am going to be doing a Facebook Live, which I don't normally do, but I think I might get into that. We'll see. I'm going to do it on Friday, and it's going to be on any sensory questions you have. So if you have sensory questions, I'm going to post in my private Facebook group, a thread that will say, Hey, I'm going to be doing this Facebook live. What are your questions? And so go on my private Facebook group, look for the thread. Maybe I'll pin it to the top. And on Friday, I'm going to do a mini workshop on sensory issues and anxiety. It's going to be at 8:45 AM. I live in Arizona. So If you're not in my private Facebook group and you're like, oh shoot, well, that's okay. Come and join before because today is only Tuesday. So you have a few days before Friday. So go to facebook.com backslash groups backslash AT parenting anxious kids and request to join. And um, you have to answer three questions, which basically says, who are you? Are you a mom or a dad or a therapist? And do you promise to be nice? And then I said, do you promise to be nice again? (laughs) There's like three questions. Just say yes, yes. And then you can come in. I will accept your uh, request. And then look for the thread that talks about sensory issues. And then just come on on Friday at 845. And I'll be doing a mini workshop probably for about a half hour. So I'll probably be giving lots of time for questions. And hopefully I can get to yours if you have one. The other thing I want to talk about is the much anticipated super sensory bundle is coming out this week. And that's a big reason why I'm doing all this sensory stuff is I thought, you know, this would be just a great week to just do like 
a zillion sensory things. So the super sensory bundle, do you know what bundles are? Bundles are kind of like this in vogue thing right now. If you're on the online world at all, you know what bundles are, but I think a lot of parents probably don't know what they are. So there are, how do I explain bundles? So somebody will create a bundle and they will contact all the people um, online who are experts in a particular topic. And they'll say, Hey, give me some of your best stuff. And we're going to bundle it all together. And then we're going to sell it for a crazy, ridiculous price for a very short period of time. And it's really just one, it's good to just get out that information. And it's helpful for each of those people because they are getting in front of other people who maybe don't know about their work. And so the benefit to the bundles are exposure. Like, Hey, you know, maybe you don't know that my name is Natasha and I work on anxiety and there's probably other people who, you know, you guys don't know about. So that's the motivation for people who are participating in the bundle is it's a really good exposure to get in front of a new audience. But for you guys, the best benefit is it's a crazy, ridiculous price because they want it to be incredibly affordable for all these professionals with all this wisdom to give you all of their best stuff. So this is a sensory bundle. And even though it's not anxiety, I'd love an anxiety bundle. I haven't been approached for an anxiety bundle. I haven't heard of an anxiety bundle. Maybe that's too specific. Maybe one day I'll create one, but just the idea of it seems overwhelming to me. But I am in the sensory bundle because sensory issues are a big part of anxiety and OCD. So I'm participating in the bundle. So the super sensory bundle was created by Dana and her husband over at lemon lime adventures, which if you haven't heard of that website, you're probably in the dark, but it's a great website for parenting and for sensory issues. And so she knows lots of people and she has gotten together 32 experts in the field. Um, and they have different specialties as far as sensory stuff goes. And so we all participated in the bundle and included some of our stuff in the bundle and the bundle is valued at over $300 and it's going for a crazy, crazy low amount. It, Cause really the purpose is really not to make a lot of money. It's just about getting some exposure to new audiences. And so parents benefit from these bundles because they're, they're dirt cheap. And then she's including some bonuses that are crazy where she's talking about like over 200 printables that will be included. So if you're interested in the super sensory bundle, it's only going to be available for a few days. It will start July 5th and it will end July 9th. And we're in 2018 for those of you that are listening and it's like 2020, this bundle is over. But for those of you that listen in real time, that's going to start on Thursday and it's going to end on Monday. And so don't miss it because these bundles are purposely very short because they are crazy cheap. So I'll talk more about that in my private Facebook group. When I'm doing my Facebook live, I'll have more details about what's actually in the bundle. But if you want more information about the bundle or you want to be notified as soon as the bundle is for sale. So I will leave a link below and you can click on that and you can get notified as soon as the bundle is available. Or if you're listening to this and it's already Thursday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday, the bundle is available. And so I will leave a link below and you can just access it and buy it before it goes away. 
So I hope you found this information useful. Don't forget to show your child the YouTube version of this episode so that they can get this information directly as well. And I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.